0: What I'm about to present is based mostly based on data that I've collected last year over a short stint of fieldwork in uh, Congo and Zambia. And I'm about to go on a second f- stint of fieldwork, so I would very much value any um, thoughts or feedback that you might have at the end of the presentation. Um, I'll talk about some of the popular art forms which developed in the mining region of the copper belt since uh, the large-scale large copper industry started there. And the Copper Belt is a bit of an exceptional case in Africa in that we have two neighboring uh, mining centers only a few kilometers away from each other, and yet they belong to uh, different spheres of influences, both in the colonial period and the post-colonial period. Um, And there are two um, two, two two forms of popular art for which the Zambian Copper Belt and Katanga, the the mining region of Congo, are known for. First, we have Zamrock, uh, which is a blend of Central um, African sound and psychedelic rock from the 1960s and 70s, and that developed in the Zambian mining town in the 70s. There's been a bit of a resurgence recently, mostly because um, some independent label have reissued some um, some of their albums. Um, so, it's quite well known in the world of music enthusiasts, but to my knowledge, it has not received any academic uh, attention. Then, on the Katangi Katang- side, we have what is perhaps one of the most famous forms of uh, popular art to have developed in a mining center, which is a type of painting um, which uses bright colors in a cartoonish style to depict scenes of urban life and Congolese history. And this is really well known, mostly because it has because a um, a number of academics who were based in Katanga at the time at the University of Lubumbashi uh, took an interest in, the, in in it and took and uh, produced a lot of scholarship on it, and that includes Bogumil jo- Josevici, Johannes Fabian, and his I think wife Ilona. Ilona <laughs> Sombati <laughs> Fabian, yes. Um, and they, they first took an interest in this because of their seemingly political content, because of the social commentary that they provide on urban life and the window that they provide into um, mining society's collective consciousness. And in fact, some samples of these paintings uh, have even been um, part of high-profile exhibition, for example, at this exhibition which was held at the Fondation Cartier in Paris in, in 2015. But while I would argue that while it is great that some of these popular art forms are getting the attention that they, they deserve, there's also a danger of overlooking the actual diversity of uh, popular art forms that have developed in Copper Belt over time. So first of all, there's a tendency to localize it a a little bit too much. We talk of Zamrock as being Zambia and popular painting as being Katanga. And yet we know that this is a border over which people crossed a lot over time. And then there's also the fact that there are surprising differences between the two mining centers. For example, if a lively uh, community of painters developed in Katanga in the 60s, this was not at all the case in Zambia. And yet, uh, the, uh, the, the practice of wall painting, which is widely thought to have um, inspired popular painting in Katanga, exists in Zambia as well. So why, why is there a discrepancy? Um, so what I would like to try and do in my research is to perhaps to reverse the approach uh, that jo- Josevici and, and Fabian have used, and that is to say, Rather than looking at the art uh, for what it can tell us about the social context, I would like to look at how the economic, political, and social context gave space for artistic expression and also shaped it to an extent. So I I will not be able to cover everything today. Um, I will only point at certain points of intersection, um, certain patterns of production and consumption. And I will f- most, uh, mostly focus on music and visual arts. Um, so first, I'd like to start with some of the hypotheses that my informants have pointed out to explain the differences between the two countries when it comes to the development of art. And the vast majority, in fact, everybody, pointed to the differences in the Fra- Francophone and Anglophone approaches during the colonial times. So in the Francophone countries, we have... Um, from the 1920s, African art tended to, to be quite highly considered, even a bit avant-garde. And in fact, Congo al- already had uh, um, a reputation for its uh, for its mask, for its tradition, mask and statues and wooden work, and etc. Whereas in uh, in Anglophone Africa, it looks like the art in the colonies was was mostly treated as something to be put in the museum, not necessarily as modern art. And so what we see is that in Katanga, in the late 40s, early 50s, there are a series of art schools that opened. And this is one of them, uh, the uh, Beaux-Arts de Lubumbashi, um, which was opened by a Belgian professor for the specific uh, purpose of promoting the art in the colony. Um, and, and there was absolutely nothing of this kind on the Zambian side, not before, not before the independent period. Um, yeah. Another possi- another discrepancy, in dif- in another difference between the two countries, is that um, the type of missions that existed on both sides were different. So it was mostly Protestant in Zambia; it was mostly Catholics in uh, in, uh, on, uh, in Congo. And theatre and music are things mm-hmm. that religious schools and missions. Uh, really emphasized. This is one of this is one of the choirs which was attached to a, a secondary school in Lubumbashi, and it became very famous even, even uh, outside of Congo. And in fact, every single musician of the older generation that I've talked to in Katanga has been part of a choir of this type. Um, then there's also the fact that. Zambia was for a long time uh, part of a wider entity which also included Malawi and Zimbabwe and the heart of this entity was in Salisbury or Harare as it's it's known now. So this is where there was an art school and this is where there was a gallery and even there it wasn't particularly popular because it was quite a segregated uh, country. Um, And so the Lusaka only had a gallery in the 1980s, and uh, the Kalkerberg never had any galleries at all. Then finally, uh, there are differences to the ways that the mining companies were set up. So both sides have seen the rise of state-like mining companies. In Katanga, we have the Union Minière du Katanga, which later became Camin. And in Zambia, we have the Anglo-American Corporation and the Selection Trust, two mines, which were later merged into one. The Zambia Consolidated Copper Mines, I always struggle to say it. Um, And at first, these mines had difficulties uh, finding the labor that they needed because they were in competition with all the other mining centers in the area. And this is to give an idea of The the, the direction of movement that would have, and the amount of movement that would have existed at the time. This is a map that has borrowed from someone, and they forgot to put an arrow between Katanga and Zambia. There was a lot of movement across across these two mining centres as well. Um, Because of that, both mining companies in Zambia and in Congo. Quite quickly, turned to a policy of stabilization of the workforce, um, and for this purpose, they developed recreation facilities. They were quite similar on on, um, on both sides of the border. They were called cercle de loisirs, leisure centres in Katanga. This is an example uh, of a leisure centre in uh, Lubumbashi. They're a bit worse for wear nowadays. They they tend to be neglected in the last few decades. This is what it looks like on the inside. Um, And in Zambia, they were called welfare halls or recreation halls. And this is an example from uh, Kitwe. And these are important because they provided the space for people to get together and start playing music. Um, And in fact, the uh, the, the, the welfare center, which I just showed is where the Copper Belt's most famous band, The Witch, got together in the first place. But generally, um, the Zambian mines appear to have put more of an emphasis on sport and cinemas and tribal, tribal dancing. Was in Katanga, it looks like both the mines and the, mi- the mine in the, 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 the government, the provincial government, tried a lot harder to control the, mining, the, the, mine, the, the workforce by uh, the means of, uh, of cultural activities such as theatre, dancing, um, etc. And, and I unfortunately do not have the time to go into this, but it's very, very interesting. Um, so for example, the Deje the, the had many, many, many choirs. And brass bands and the like, and this was not only the GICAMIN; it was also all the other all, all the other companies, the, the, the electricity company, the, the railway company, and uh, and even the police had its own its own facilities and its own um, bands. But it's important that to, to remember that on either side of the border. The mines and the government only invested in uh, in, uh, in cultural policy only in as much as it was as it helped them to keep public order and that all most of the art forms that um, that that emerged during this period did not grow within the within because of this they just provided a framework but they they um, the, the, that, that framework was repurposed in original ways by the people who live within it and not always in the ways that the minds intended. Um, yeah, this is a, a group of musicians and dancers that was sponsored by the GKM. Unfortunately, I don't have not had much time to talk about <coughs> it. Um, so music is one of the areas where... Um, this interaction can be seen the copper belt is known for a specific way of playing the guitar which developed in the 1950s on both sides of the border um and it has been understood to have been slightly different so katanga the g- guitar playing in katanga has been understood to be a bit more cosmopolitan in nature by which means that, uh, meaning that they're more likely to borrow sounds from further afield, they're more likely to use international languages like Swahili rather than the local language. Um, And um, guitar playing on the Zambian side has usually been seen as um, falling fully either on one side or the other. So either completely on the cosmopolitan side, usually borrowing stuff directly from South Africa, in Kuela particularly, which is a um, type of jazz. Um, or fully on the localist side but it, it looks like it wasn't quite as simple as that from my limit, my limited uh, musical expertise. It looks like most artists could and did choose to borrow elements from several cosmopolitan sources and several localist sources and mix all of these elements together as they still fit for a particular song. So for example uh, Jean Bosco Mwenda who is largely seen as the father of uh, guitar playing in Katanga, he became a very big star in the 50s. Um, well, he, ha- he has several songs, one of them is, sangha, is um bears a close structural resemblance to the Cuban hit El Manicero, which uh, was very popular in Congo at the time. But one of his other songs, Mwami, um, is sung in Sanga. It uses a, uh, a local rhythm played on the bottle. So that's, that's supposed to be a localist um, characteristic. And also, it uses a harmonic progression derived from South African kwela. So this shows that the Congolese and Zambian copper belt were connected to musical flows, which run all the way to Johannesburg on one side and all the way to Kinshasa and Yaoundé and Abidjan on the other. So also representative of the way that all these influences were put on an equal footing in people's minds is this um, painting by Danny Chiesu, who is a painter I met in Dola. Um, and when I met him, he was about to send this picture to Lusaka for an exhibition which was entitled Our Culture. And so this is what he produced, a patchwork of uh, the music styles, which he thought were particularly significant in the musical history of the country. And so see, you see, you have the Rolling Stones, you have Jimi Hendrix, you have the Beatles. Um, those were bands which were heard on, on Zambian radios a lot. In fact, there was even a band called the Lusaka Beatles. Um, and then you also have several Zambrock bands, which I can not see, Five Revolutions, for example, and Gozi Family, Blackfoot. You have Kalindula, which is a more traditional type, style of guitar playing. and. You have rumba as well, which is uh, Kinshasa, um, get, yeah, dance style, dance music from Kinshasa. So how how do we how does rumba how did rumba end up on this painting? Well, it coalesced <laughs> in Kinshasa in the early '60s and cheap records were uh, pressed during that time and from there spread to a very, very wide uh, area of Africa, including Zambia and including also Katanga. And in fact, it completely invented Katanga to the extent that it suffocated local, local music styles. And, and this was further entrenched uh, during the Mobutu period because he, he co-opted some of its biggest players, such as Franco. And so the resu- as a result, Katangese musicians had to face a choice. either either they could adapt, that is to say, they could play r- rumba, they could play music that praised the president, uh, they could play traditional music that was also acceptable, or they had to leave. And a lot of them did so. Um, so throughout the 1960s and '70s, Katangi's musicians crossed the border into Zambia. Um, And this is a quote, one of many quotes that I've received on the topic, by a former uh, museum curator. He says, "Um, There was a lot of Congolese influence here. It was very, very big in the beginning. Most artists who went professional came from the Copper Belt, which itself was very much influenced by Congo. I do not think there was anywhere in Zambia where there was no Congolese music, even in Livingston. Zambian bands copied it a lot. Rhythms were borrowed. And this was to the extent that it has been suggested to me that, on numerous occasions, that one of the reasons Kaunda, who was the first president of Zambia, announced in 1975 that 90% of music played on Zambian radio should be Zambian music was because of rumba and because of the fact that there were too many uh, Congolese musicians around in Zambia. And indeed, from that point on, many Congolese musicians started uh, moving on, probably to other Swahili uh, countries, such as Tanzania and and Kenya. But in in either case, uh, they sort of disappeared from the map. And also also importantly, though um, I only know of one Zambian musician who ever went to Congo, Zambian music did cross the border in the other direction as well, mostly bec- thanks to, to records that were, that were pressed in this time and because of truck drivers which brought this there and also because the radio plays this, this type of music. And so we see it is still this situation where, in the 70s, where uh, Katanga is connected to the West and to the South at the same time. All right, now I'll... Uh, I'll say a few words about the visual arts and about popular painting. So in the, in the 70s, um, according to Johannes Fabian, as much as 500 paintings were sold every day in, uh, in Lubumbashi. Um, why was it that this practice of hanging a picture on the wall really, really, really strongly emerged in the 60s it's, it's not entirely clear, but uh, the, the, these academics have uh, said, have several hypotheses on the subject. One of them being that it's, it might be linked to the relative economic prosperity of the time. Um, and the other is that it might be a form, it might be that there was a form of collective consciousness which emerged in that period. The, the within the context of uh, of the Mobutu uh, era um, and they they have divided these three pa- these, these popular pain- paintings into three main categories the first one is uh, things ancestral so that includes the idyllic landscape which is supposed to denote a certain nostalgia for life in the village or and certain opposition between uh, the rural areas and urban life. Then we have Things Past, and this is probably the most famous uh, the famous uh, style, that includes Im- images of this kind. This is called Colony Belge, Belgian Colony. And this is a, s- considered sort of the ar- archetypical example of the, such painting in that This is a way of criticising oppressions of all kinds. The idea is that most of these painters do not make a difference between oppressions under the colonial period and under the Mobutu regime. So this is a way of coalescing uh, everything. And then the last is things present, and that includes commercial paintings, images of modern cities, and also very prominently the Mermaid, uh, or Mami Wata, as she is known in most of Africa. And this represents uh, the pitfalls of modernity. This is the idea that when a man uh, has a personal relationship with a Mamiwata, he will become successful, but he will have to pay a price for it. He will have to sacrifice something for it. Um, and there were hundreds of painters active in Katanga at one point in time. Yet, today, you'll you'll be hard-pressed to find a single one, maybe one or two, but most of them have disappeared off the map. So what happened to them? Where did they go? Well, for a lot of them, the answer appears to be, once again, to Zambia. Um, Much as was the case uh, with Congolese musicians, little uh, communities of Congolese artists popped up in Zambian cities and produced paintings that... Borrowed elements from Katangi's themes and codes, um, and this is a painting. This is a picture taken by my colleague Liva Pesta, who took this in um, Mwinilunga. This is a region in northern uh, in northern um, Zambia, which really shows that this this this, uh, this these paintings found found their way to people's personal homes as far afield as that. Um, so that certain 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 themes were not particularly easy to reuse in a Zambian context. So you do not see anything like Colony Belge in, in, uh, in, in, in Zambia. But what you do see is a lot of examples of the idyllic landscape or of the mermaids. Uh, because this is something that will appeal to a Zambian audience and could even be appreciated by tourists who might pass by. Um, also, crucially, the first generation of Zambian artists who are now in their, uh, Zambian painters spe- specifically, who are now in their 60s and 70s, all over- overwhelmingly cite the immigration of Congolese artists as the starting point of the practice of canvas painting in Zambia. Um, most of these older Zemian artists grew up all lived at one point in the Copper Belt, where they first encou- encountered these popular painters, and they spread to other places from there. And this is uh, Lawrence Yombwe, born in 56. This is relevant. Um, who is one of, the, one of the painters who told me, who prominently cited the con- uh, Congolese painters as his inspiration to, uh, to start painting. He specifically mentioned one person, one person called Muzambe, from whom he learned uh, his first pointers and techniques in, uh, in the, uh, painting. Another example, another, another uh, painter who I've met in Kitwe pointed out that at the time that the Congolese musician, uh, Congolese painters crossing into Zambia, <laughs> There were already a handful of Zambians who were making a name for themselves in the painting scene, but they evolved in much higher spheres, um, and therefore they were not really very much in touch with any, any, any uh, more popular uh, painters. And so therefore, the Congolese were completely dominated the field. Their artworks could be seen everywhere and they could be seen in all the bars. Um, and, and Mudenda told me that uh, he was sort of forced to reproduce these themes because that's also what the bars asked him for, this sort of thing. This is the only example I could find. So there are many ways in which, <coughs> sorry, uh, Congolese and Zambian popular art forms are intimately linked to their historical social context. And there are also many parallels between pattern of conception and exchange, and also general um, historical and and the the history of these both countries. We know, for example, that Congo had a stronger cultural infrastructure, generally. And if you look at the the popular art, well, it it emerged as a a stronger producer of popular arts. We also know that Congo subsequently went through a period of severe political and economic difficulties. Which have pushed many Congolese outside of the border, and this is reflected in patterns of expansion of, uh, of the popular arts, as well as in the themes that they chose to, they've chosen to emphasize. And also, it's probably um, relevant to, well, in countries such as the RC, the popular arts, the arts, even the popular ones, cannot be detached from their political context because they, they came about under the double edges of, uh, of corporate paternalism, and also uh, under Mobutism. Mobutism, both of which use popular arts to entertain but also to manipulate. Um, Zambia did not follow the same political trajectory at all as Congo. The, the arts were never politicized in the same way. But you can all still see links. I mean, this, it's no coincidence, for example, that, uh, that painting only really took off in Zambia in the late 80s, because that's a period where uh, this, the country went through a, um, a period of democratization and liberalization, which means all of a sudden there were many, many tourists who came, and it was all of a sudden much, a much livelier market for, for, for paintings, particularly. Um, it's also illustrative um, of the extent to which the existence of popular arts were inter- intertwined with that of the mining companies. So when the mining companies crashed in the late 1980s, so did most of these art forms. Um, I've picked two quotes again, one from a Congolese artist and one from a Zambian one. The first one says, the death of the Jekemin is the root cause for the decline of culture in Katanga. It was never the state which supported the arts. It all comes down to the collapse of the GK and the SNCC. The SNCC is the railway company. And the Zambian informant said, The downfall of the death CCM has brought about the downfall of the Copper Belt towns. Kitwe died, Ndola died. It is Lusaka that rules the, na- the game now. So the younger generation of artists who have emerged in post-crisis Katanga are of a different kind. They're much more connected to the global world, and on both sides, art has become a lot more professionalized. And though many of these artists built on Katanga and Katanga's and Zambia's uh, mining past, and even built on the work on f- of popular artists, um, the field of action has now quite firmly moved to the capital cities and to, and to the west, to, uh, to Europe and, and, uh, and the states. As f- and the popular artists, well, For now, they've completely disappeared. Thank you.